everybody. Welcome to the Catholic Influencers Podcast. A conversation to help Catholic influencers like you and me to go deeper and further in our influencing of the world for Jesus. I'm your host, Father Rob Gallia. And I'm your co-host, Danny Sullivan. And we look forward to talking to you today about women in the church. Wow, Danny, we're going to we start start talking about some serious stuff now. Yeah, all the other things that were just not serious. <laughs> prayer, authenticity. <laughs> no, they're important stuff, but I think it's more yeah. um, now topics are getting a bit difficult. I think yeah. we need to do a little bit more homework as we go along and we get to talk about women in the church. And I think it's God has a great call, an equal call on women in the church, but somehow um, we've messed it up because somehow there are more women that attend our churches, but for some reason, women tend to have less of a voice. I agree with that, Father Rob. Yeah. And so what can we do to raise up the voice of women? I, I have a great passion to raise women up both in the arts and raise women's voice um, within the church. And I, I do all I can across Australia and even the United States to, to raise people, um, women, because they, there's such a, a powerful voice, a necessary voice, a side of God that has been somehow eliminated from the prophetic voice of the church, which is male dominated. I'm curious to hear how you raise women up because I think there's quite a misconception that women can be raised up and when they're raised up they take on a power of leadership and in the Catholic Church that's a priest but we're not women are not called to be priests why well look the way I do it is um, I think one of the a lot of the voice that I have um, is with young people I have a, a loud voice through music I have a loud voice when it comes to evangelization and so that doesn't necessarily it is part of the priesthood but it is not necessarily the sacramental priesthood it's our responsibility responsibility as as baptized people to go out and to proclaim the gospel so a lot of the work that I do the women um, I raise up is is as musicians trying to get them on platforms trying to get them into schools um, trying to get um, young women in particular to have the courage to speak out but when it comes to priesthood um, this is the women and priests I think one of the things that the church understands is that the priest represents represents Christ in a sacramental way okay so we're all priests through baptism but there's the sacramental priesthood now the problem with that and why somehow it seems that it's seen as a discrimination not to have women as priests is because the the voice of the priesthood has become a juridical voice when it's meant to be a sacramental voice it's we are in the person of christ when we are celebrating the eucharist and the other sacraments but at the same time our voice uh, on the altar preaching has become the only voice, but it shouldn't be. Our voice should not necessarily be a juridical voice. It shouldn't necessarily be a governing voice. That is meant to be shared with both men and women. And so this is why we need to, women need to understand their responsibility and to know what they are to fight for. Not necessarily the sacramental priesthood, because that is the person of Christ who 
happened to who was a, a male, and that is where we represent sacramentally the masculinity as well of Jesus. But also, that is not the only voice, and this is the problem that somehow it has become the only the only time you hear people preach, teach, or hear a voice is very often it's just on a Sunday mass. Where there's more, so much more to the church than even a Sunday mass. Thanks for that explanation. That helps a lot. I think that with my friends that maybe aren't Catholic or aren't practicing Catholic, I get asked that question a lot, especially when they find out that I work for FRG ministry. And, you know, I'm working for the Catholic Church. I'm representing the Catholic Church. And they're like, but why would you do that when they're, I guess, pushing you down? I personally have never felt like I've been pushed away or belittled. But I can understand that with those friends, Mm. particularly that have asked me, when they only go to Mass once a year or twice a year or even only on Sundays, then, yeah, it's very male-dominant. In terms of altar servers are usually males, priests are always males. And yeah, so it's really nice to hear that, that through baptism, we are all called to be priests, but then the sacramental priesthood is Absolutely. reserved for Baal. So thank you. And I think one of the things that the church needs to learn is that um, we need to raise up women. We need to learn how to do that, and we need to begin a, a more relevant dialogue in how mm. to do that. Um, but I want to go a little bit into scripture, because I think one of the biggest um, um, thieves of authority is somehow women also not understanding their responsibility to rise up. I've seen, like I speak at conferences around the world. I I work with musicians around the world. And music, arts, preaching. I've seen the, the, the most amazing preachers I've ever had preach are, are women. And and somehow these are the people who rise up are the ones that actually recognize that they have the authority because they, we need to hear the prophetic voice of women. That's also part of who God is. The church is incomplete. The voice of God is incomplete as if all we hear is the voice of males. But let's start. Let's be um, a devil's advocate here. I want to go to a 1 Timothy 2, 11 to 15, which is a controversial thing. But I think let's start from the negative, because I think once we understand things in context, we can better understand the authority of women and the responsibility of women to rise up as as a prophetic voice. So 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 to 15, it says, let a woman learn in silence with full submission. I permit no woman to teach or to have authority over a man. She is to keep silent for Adam was formed first and then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing, provided they continue in faith and love and holiness with modesty. Now, that on first glance, Steve, makes don't, me cringe and I can see you cringing. I don't as like it. reading that. Yes. You don't, and, and I think one of the things, again, is that context, 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 context. Because you see, a lot of the scripture contradicts that all over the Acts of the Apostles, Luke, Exodus, the book of Judges. Romans, book of Psalms, it contradicts that very scripture verse. And so why? Why Why does it exist then? Well, because of the context it was written in. So every book, um, St. Paul here was writing to Timothy, who was living in a Greek town. Okay, Now, Greek towns had Greek gods. This town that he had, um, that Timothy was um, living in, was a town where, um, I think it was Ephesus, actually. It was a town which was dominated and the biggest god of the time was this um, goddess of fertility, okay? And so because of that, they believed that women were created first and the women should have the loudest voice and that's that's fair enough. But it became about um, uh, suppression as well of the, of, 
the men, okay? And so that the women used to run the town, and that's fine, okay. But the, this is what the context was written in. So uh, this town was famous for one thing, okay? This town was a place where the goddess, she, had, she was a, um, a, a big woman, multi-breasted woman, and people used to come, uh, because at that time, a lot of... Um, Women used to die at childbirth. So what they used to do was they used to pilgrim from all around Greece to come to this place to give birth before this goddess. Um, and this was a promise to them that they would survive childbirth if they came to this place. And so these Christians go in, Timothy goes in and starts seeing conversions. You know, like he starts saying, whoa, people are coming to God. But the women somehow wouldn't convert. The men were converting, but the women weren't. Because there were loud voices at the time, there were women speaking out saying, hey, don't convert because if you convert, you're going to die at childbirth and this goddess is going to be angry. So what does St. Paul do? St. Paul sends this letter in the context only of this community saying, hey, hey guys, just keep quiet. Keep these, these women who are stopping the conversion, stopping the people coming to Jesus from having this loud voice. And, and in fact, it continues. It's this way and where they believe that women came first. Hey, he's putting them into the context of scripture saying, hey, Actually, it wasn't women who were created first. It was men, according to Adam and Eve, the story of Adam and Eve. And then it finishes off. Can you just read the verse 15, which I find really interesting? So verse 15, yet she will be saved through childbearing, provided she continue in faith and love and holiness with modesty. Now, when I read that, I think, ah, okay, she'll give birth to children. Therefore, she'll be saved through giving birth. No. Like only through giving birth is what I would read it as. Yes. But what it is saying in context is saying, hey, you're going to give birth, but you're not going to die because Jesus is going to save you through faith. You see, so don't be afraid of leaving this false God. Come to Jesus and even he's going to save you, save your life while you're giving birth. So don't be afraid of dying. Don't not convert because you're afraid of dying at childbirth. And so this is where God is saying through faith in Jesus, you will be saved. Not even childbirth will will kill you. So again, it's in, in context of of, of scripture in the context of where it was written and who it was written for. In fact, let's just go quickly like to some verses that contradict this this verse. And I just I've just listed a few things here. Acts 18 18 to 28. This is the very same town that St. Timothy is in, okay? okay. This the Ephesus again. We're is in this town. Is it before or after? So this is after. Okay, thank okay? you. Okay, so this happened after. So Acts 18. So there's um, this, um, Apollos is out and he's, he's preaching and he's teaching and he, the, the scripture says that he's like an amazing disciple, you know? But what happens is Priscilla comes up to him and says, hey, um, actually, I'm going to teach you a little bit more about the scripture. And what he does is, so Priscilla, this woman and her husband, actually teach him the deeper and the more profound ways, a more accurate teaching of Jesus. And they accept it. They accept it. So Priscilla, a woman, influenced one of the greatest preachers of the time. And also Acts 21 verse 8, another book, another chapter in Acts. It says um, Philip had four prophetess daughters. They used to speak out. They used to prophesy. They used to be a, a voice. But now all of a sudden we've lost the voice of women because all, the only voice we hear is on a Sunday mass, yeah. a priest on a Sunday mass. But there's so much more to that. 
Or one thing, like, this isn't necessarily about, you know, women preaching, but I notice a lot, you know, I go to conferences or retreats and there's a woman speaker and she's like, all right, we're going to do a woman session. And I hear about how beautiful I am or how gentle I am and how the church needs those gifts. But I never, like, well, I have never heard and rarely I think women would hear that we're called to also be prophetesses. Yes, prophetesses. (laughs) To have a voice. And I think it's not not only your, like, you, you said the word, we're called to it's not only an option or oh, how nice are they are prophetess yeah. no it's a responsibility it's a baptismal responsibility and we are prophets and prophetesses through our families through the way we speak out in public through the way we create opportunities to speak out now it, the church is poor when the only time that people hear the word of god is on a sunday at a mass or even a weekday mass which is like the source and summit of our faith which is the most important part and it's just amazing to be there to receive the word of god essential quick disclaimer yes please go to mass (laughs) (laughs) exactly so and it it is about that but at the at the same time we're we're sort of ripped off if we don't go further Mm -hmm. and also i'm going to continue with the scripture verses luke 2 anna the prophetess jesus is presented to anna and she's the the prophetess who's speaking the word of god prophesying encouraging the people in the faith exodus 15 miriam and amazing prophetess a voice a loud voice and this is one i love look um in judges old testament <laughs> old testament judges um four which talks about this woman called deborah now deborah was the head prophetess so there weren't queens at the time okay but she was the head judge of all of israel so she was appointed by god to be the head of of the um of the israelite people you know so she and so God himself appointed her. And then one other amazing one, which is really interesting for those of you who read scripture, Romans sixteen seven. I mean, this is one to highlight, especially for the women and the men too. It says this, that Paul greets Junia. Now, Junia is a female name, okay? Um, it's like, um, so Paul greets Junia. And you know what he calls her? Junia. <laughs> well, Junior is not because in an Australian accent it's J U N I O R, but it's J U N I A. Junior. Junior. No, but he calls it. He says this. He says, "You are outstanding amongst the apostles." That's crazy. That's a big call. He calls her like and makes that distinction between disciple and apostle. Yeah, he calls That's her. Th- but this is crazy. I don't know. He calls her an apostle, like. The 12 apostles he calls her uh, outstanding like amongst the apostles so this is crazy again somehow women have come down and their voice has come down and then of course one of the greatest if not the greatest women that ever lived oh, and and perfect human and who do you think that is probably mary <laughs> <laughs> that's it that's mary and mary you know i mean she, jesus listened to her you know, he, he, he obeyed her and, and the w- wedding of Cana, he, he, he listened to her and, uh, and in fact, he said, woman, my time has not yet come. And then sort of, she sort of never paid attention and said, do whatever he tells you. And so she, in a sense, he obeyed her command. He was led by her faith um, in him. And so again, this is our responsibility as priests, as a church. It's our responsibility as men and as women to make sure that we raise the voice of women within our church because otherwise we are being deprived of a very big part of the voice of God. 
So before we go on to our interview, which is with an incredible international speaker, Katie Prejean, um, she is a woman who has understood that we are called as women, as baptized Christians to go and proclaim the good news, which Psalm 68 verse 11 says, the Lord gives the command, the woman who proclaims the good tidings are a great host. And how incredible is that? So we're going to go into this interview now with Katie Prejean. Congress and, uh, in uh, sitting on the floor <laughs> trying to find a quiet place with Katie Prejan, um, an amazing speaker, a woman of God, an author of, of three, three books, three books um, a mama, yeah. and also a woman who's very much in demand in the Catholic world across the United States and the world, and will be coming to Australia yeah. too. Um, and so, welcome, Katie. It's so great to, to talk to you. Yeah, to finally get to chat in person. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We're back and forth on the internet all the time. That's right. Yeah, it's great. It's great to be here. It's great to be in this hallway. It's great to be in Anaheim. Catholic Disneyland is what I always call it. Uh, But yeah, it's fun. It's a fun weekend. Yeah, so it's an incredible conference. I I Mm -hmm. think it's up to like... 35 or 40. 30, yeah, it's, it's huge. 35,000 people yeah. attending this conference. And yesterday, both you and I spoke at Youth Day as well, maybe 12,000 or yeah. so yeah. young people. How, how amazing. What, what a privilege it is it, to be able to serve the Lord like it this. It is. It is. It's a gift to get to watch young people um, encounter Christ and then to get to work the next day with the people that are working with young people every day. So it's, it's every year I come to this and I'm encouraged to kind of keep going throughout the rest of the year. It's a little later this year, I feel like. So it's like yeah. at the end of my travel season for the next month or so, I'm taking off. So, but it's quite fun to get to reconnect with people and to get to share the gospel. And I'm yeah. tired, but it's, it's a joyful time. Yes, exactly. Well, I think living on adre- adrenaline and then you go home and yes. sleep with baby in hand. Exactly. Exactly. I will <laughs> take all, day. a long nap. Yeah, that's sure. right. And so, look, I just uh, thought uh, um, uh, I wanted to take the opportunity to talk to you about women in the church because in you, like even following you on social media, seeing what you're doing, the authorship and the boldness you have to, to speak out and to be a prophet, a prophetess in the church, a voice that the church needs so much, the voice of, of women. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I just thought maybe let's have a little conversation yeah. to encourage these Catholic influencers. You are a Catholic influencer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and to see how we can raise up women in the church. So can we just start a little bit about yourself? How yeah, you started yeah. speaking? How are you now um, a public speaker yeah. in demand speaking all around the yeah. world? So I was um, always involved in youth ministry as a, as a young person uh, and was then my senior year of high school. Uh, so I was still a youth. I was involved in what we call the core team of our diocese. So it's about 30 or 40 young people that were handpicked to help plan and prepare for all of our events. And so my youth director, who had also been my eighth grade religion teacher, another woman in the church who is a firestorm of just energy and vision, and she's so good at pinpointing talents, she said, hey, I know you're involved in speech and debate. I know you have something to say. Do you want to give a keynote? So I was the first teen keynote at our annual youth conference. And it went well. I mean, I was on speech and debate team, so I knew how to write a speech. I knew how to kind of develop rhetoric. Um, It went really well. I really enjoyed it. I wanted to study theology, so I went to the University of Dallas. I studied theology. And there, the Lord really put on my heart a desire to teach. And so I was a youth minister at a parish in Chicago for a year, but really wanted to be a Catholic school teacher. And so I was a Catholic school teacher for five years after that. 
And the Lord calls you forward in this ministry. I'm convinced of that. And so then that pestering voice was like, well, if somebody needs you to speak at a confirmation retreat, you should say yes. Mm. And so then the phone starts ringing and the community calls you forward. And then the next thing you know, you're traveling 150,000 miles a year. And every step of the way, I'm always like, wait, where am I going? Like, what is the (laughs) Lord having me? Who am I talking to? And what about? Um, And it was a very organic, like I never, like I have a website and I have business cards, but I never like mailed out, hey, I'm going to be in this part of the country. You should hire me. It was very much people talk and people hear your message and they're like, Oh, we really like that. Like let's empower you and let's use you. And then I'm really at a position now. I'm a mom. Like you said, my daughter's 18 months old. She knows when mommy's gone. So Tommy and I are really at the phase of life where we're being a little more discerning in what we say yes to. And we really ask ourselves, how am I the right person for this event? And am I the right person for this event? And then what is the Lord going to do in my life as a result of the event? And so that has helped us become very discerning in, in what we're choosing to do in ministry. You do have to choose because, and then, like, I, I've traveled halfway around the world yeah. for, like, a small group of people, and mm-hmm. it's just not viable. And so mm-hmm. it's really hard as well yeah. to to um, to choose, to discern the right thing to do, especially I don't have a family, yeah. Yeah. but you do, um, but I do have a parish that exactly. I need to look out for. people, yeah, you're people of God. And, yeah, it's as an influencer in that regard, it's always like, is my influence needed there? And the beautiful thing is that social media kind lets you be everywhere all the time that's right using insta stories and using youtube and and podcasting um you can be anywhere and also at the comfort of your own home and so i think really being able to use those platforms in beautiful ways is is, it's it's a cool time absolutely and so i want to ask you katie just particularly about um women raising up in the church Mm -hmm. now i'm sure you get this i don't know if there's any discrimination within the church <laughs> Just a little bit. Sometimes. So can, can we start maybe with a yeah. little bit of the challenges that yeah. you have as a woman um, speaking prophetically, speaking as an influencer mm-hmm. in, in, a, in, a, in, let's call it as it is a male-dominated yeah. institution. Yeah. It's so the, like the, the microaggression that I've experienced most as when like a man especially will come up to you after a talk and be like, I was really surprised that was so good. It's like, would you have said that to a dude? Probably not. Um, So like sometimes there's a shock value of like, oh, she can talk about other like stuff other than like a women's session or she can talk about theology. She can talk about Mary. She can talk about the synod. Like there's sometimes a, um, an, a lower expectation of a woman. And so my, my line always is women in the church have to work twice as hard to get half as far. Wow. It's not just a pay gap. It's not just a respect gap. It's also, also a, a place at the table gap. Mm-hmm. There have been some men that I've encountered who think that women shouldn't get to have a, a space or a voice in a parish community as far as leadership is concerned. They, they don't think women should be employees of the church because that just means they secretly want to be priests. And so there's this idea of like, if a woman has a place at the table, I, as a man, would lose my spot at the table and it's like no 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 dude you don't lose your spot at the table the table just got bigger you know and I think we have to make places and spaces for women's gifts and talents I mean look at how did God choose to come into this world by way of a woman and I hate to break it to you but like Mary is the only perfect person besides Jesus so like like Every time a woman is rising up in the church, I love that phrase that you're using, is being empowered, is speaking, is using her voice. She's being very Marian in that. Yes. I mean, who told Jesus to go do that miracle? Mary. Yes. So, like, if you ignore women, you're very much ignoring an element and an aspect of our church. Yeah. Um, and, and every time I, f- I experience that aggression a little bit or that sexism, I'm just kind of like, I feel sorry for you. More than getting mad now, I just... it. I pity them for not seeing what the church is. Mm. 
and it, it's also um, even among clergy, we're not used to this. Like mm-hmm. everything is so exclusive. Even the way we eat our meals, yeah. just priests alone mm-hmm. and discussions, and um, in in rectories and presbyteries, yeah. we call them, yeah. um, just sitting down having conversation of governance and yeah. and things like that. And then so yeah. we don't. And women are usually the ones serving the table, and they're mm-hmm. usually the ones mm-hmm. in the sacristy, and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But I think women need to rise up. Yeah, we need the church is so incomplete without women even teaching and preaching yeah. and directing us, listening. And I use the word prophetic voice because this is what a prophet is. Mm-hmm. A prophet is someone who listens to the voice of of God and speaks it out. Yeah. And uh, who's to say it's not a man role? No, it's, it's, it's it's a human role. It's yeah. a, look at the look at the role of women in the Old Testament. Mm. Um, and there's so many Ruth and Esther and Judith and so, so many powerful voices that were able to not just direct men but direct fellow women I also think it's like the way youth events specifically which we speak out at a lot most of them are attended like 60 to 70 percent of the crowd is a young woman that's right and so they need to see people like them they need to see young women who are living the faith and then hear from people who have done it and who can empower them and, and expose them to the truths of the faith and you know, it'd be good enough to also then speak to the young men in that crowd. But but a young woman, I think, feels more isolated if they're not seeing other women than a young man does if he doesn't see other men. Because they, they stay as spectators. They say, right. they like, this is my role, this will yeah. always be my role. Yes. And seeing yeah. a woman is sort of aspiring to become, again, this voice yeah. um, and, and an instrument, of, a powerful Absolutely. instrument of God. Now, if I were to ask, like, women, what... Can women bring now? This is not mm-hmm. to say better or no, worse, but of course. Well, that is different yeah. to men. What are we yeah. missing out when we're blocking women yeah. a- a- away from the platform? So John Paul II says in Redemptoris Mater, and I always reference this in women's sessions that I give that that Mary is a kind of a, gives a snapshot of the loftiest sentiments of the human heart, and those are visible in in the lives of every woman. Mm. And so when women are involved in the church, we see this this tireless devotion to work. We see a penetrating intuition. We see a limitless fidelity and devotion to like to giving of self um, we see this self-offering totality of love and so when a woman is kept out of the room you're losing out on not just a female perspective but you're losing out on that that commitment and you're losing out on that creativity and you're losing out on I think the softness and the motherliness that our church is so desperately in need of, especially right now in the midst of scandal. Mm. Um, and so I, men that that have resisted female influence or female voices, um, or to the man that's just never experienced like the leadership of a woman, it, it seems other and it seems weird or perhaps they're resistant to it only because they've never been exposed or given that opportunity to see a woman in that position or to see the woman be able to preach and pro- prophesy, essentially. Um, and I get that. I get that it might be different, but you're missing out on something really remarkable and beautiful. Um, yes. I really think women also bring a unique creativity, mm-hmm. not just a design sense. Like, we, we're not just going to decorate the church, but, like, an ability to kind of, like, see survey the landscape. So, I'm sorry, I'm all over the place when I say this, but like men are doers. Like men take an idea and they go do it. And I think women dream maybe a little more than men do. And so I think the dreams of women can then be enacted by the work in the hands of men. And then together it's this beautiful creative uh, child essentially that, that's made. And I think that that beautiful partnership is so necessary. Yes. 
And also, um, and, and other things like without the Holy Spirit, how important the ah. Holy Spirit. And, and the reason I say this is because I've heard this, like I've seen this on social media, especially mm-hmm. friends who are not involved, in, who don't have this relationship with God. But there's comments like, and this is an extreme, but it comes in all forms, things like um, women, men have had the chance to, to run the world. Now get out of the way, let the mm-hmm. women take it over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So how, how can we, t- 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 I'm just leave it there. Just yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, I think it's, it's got to be a partnership. It's not that men need to step on the necks of women or that women need to climb the shoulders of men. It's that together we need to walk side by side and be yoked together in the journey towards Christ and towards goodness, truth, and beauty. Um, my mother is the CEO of her own company. She is a CPA. She has employees. She has clients. My whole life I watched my mom rock that world and rock the corporate America and, and be very successful. Mm. My father works in finance for a, a big bank. Did not have the same high-powered position my mother had, but worked really hard and is very successful in his own position. I'm like, I never saw the two of them compete. I only ever saw the two of them build one another up and encourage them. And in my own marriage, Tommy is my biggest cheerleader and also the one that encourages me to dream. And then I get to turn around and be like, now what do you want to do? And how can we work together to make your dreams come true? And how can those become our dreams? I don't think it needs to be an either or. It's a both and. We walk together. That's right. We just had a, a clothes trolley yes. walk by. And, and ice buckets. <laughs> and ice buckets. It's, it's fun, folks. <laughs> we're, we're in the middle of a, a, a hotel um, hallway. Anyway. <laughs> so, Katie, just one more question. Yes, first. Okay. The women. Okay. Mm-hmm. How are the women in this podcast listening to us? Um, how are they going to raise up, rise up? They maybe feel stuck. They feel they don't know what to do in the mm-hmm. church. Are they? What's the most they can be a minister of communion? What's right. the most they can do mm-hmm. is read at church. How are they going to, not that they're of not course, important roles, extremely right, important right, right. roles, but how can they rise up? How can they make their female voice heard um, mm-hmm. and their heart be heard by the wider by the church? Yeah. So I think the first thing is really pray as a woman, what are my gifts? What are my talents? What could I offer? And then be persistent. Um, there's, I mean, Mary, it tells something to Jesus. He kind of writes her off. And then she turns around and says, do whatever he tells you. Because she knows that, that penetrating intuition. She knows. So I think there's got to be a persistence. And, and sometimes it's going to come in the form of like, Father, I want to start a Bible study at the parish. And oftentimes priests might say no to things because they don't want more work. So the best way to do it is just to be like, I'll do it. I'll do all the heavy lifting. Just give me permission to do it. Oftentimes, too, we look for permission where permission is not needed. Like I could start a Bible study in my home. I could start, you know, I I could go to coffee with my friends and we could do a book study together. Um, If I have something to say, the beauty of social media is that anybody can say it. And people, if it's a good message from the Lord, people will listen. Right? Like self-promotion and influencing happens in the church because the Lord advocates and and fights for that person's voice to be heard. I'm convinced of that. So ways that we as women can do that is figure out our gifts and then just be unafraid to share them boldly. Yeah. And so uh, this is my hope and prayer for all listeners that they would rise up, especially the women. Mm -hmm. We need your voice. We need um, your heart. And we need you to listen to the Lord and to be courageous to stand, to rise up and to make a difference. But also, Katie, listen, thank you so much for your time here. But quickly, how can we get in touch with you? You have a podcast as well. You have a website, social media. 
tell us how yeah. we can get in touch. Uh, so my website is katieprejean.com. And I'm coming to Australia, to the Australian listeners out there. I'm super pumped about that in December. Uh, but I'm on Instagram and Twitter at katieprejean. And then my husband and I have a podcast, The Electric Waffle. The Electric Waffle. So check that out also. It's fun. So thank you so much. And God bless you. And we as listeners also, uh, myself and listeners, will be praying for you. Amen. Thanks. God bless you. Yeah. for joining us today. Um, just now, we'd like to conclude with a bit of a prayer, especially for the women in the church, that we may rise up and fulfill this call that we have through our baptism to proclaim the good news. So, in the name of their Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, we ask you to open the hearts of women and men around the world, part of the church, that we create a space at the table for women and that we may have our voices heard and speak your truth into the lives of everyone we meet as is our calling through the baptism to enter your body. We ask for our Mother Mary's intercession that she may guide us along this journey to holiness and through bringing others into the church that they may also enter heaven for eternity. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So please get in touch with us at frgministry.com forward slash podcast or any of FRG Ministry's social medias, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We really want to hear from you. And also don't forget to go check out Katie Prejean's um, social media as well. Until next time, God bless.